are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want you to turn with me tonight in the Word of God to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6. Jeremiah, chapter 6. And I'm going to read, start reading in verse 10. And I want to read you some scripture that's really God has used to speak to my heart in, use, in recent days. Before we start reading in verse 10 of chapter 6 of the book of Jeremiah, and I would be pleased if you'd just open your Bible and read it with me because I, I want you to see a tremendous picture in the Bible tonight. You'll not remember the sermon that I have preached to you tonight, perhaps, but if you'll see the picture in the Word of God that I believe is here for you and me to see, I think you'll never forget it as long as you live. There's a great picture here. Now, in order to get the setting for what I want to preach to you about tonight, before we go to verse 10 of chapter 6, let me read you a staggering statement in verse 31 of the previous chapter. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it told. And what will you do in the end thereof? In verse 10 of the 6th chapter, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is under them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Therefore I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I pour it out upon the children abroad, and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the aged with him that is full of days. And their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, Every one is given to covetousness. And from the prophet even unto the priest, every one dealeth falsely. They've healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they'd committed abominations? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. Therefore hear ye nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my word, nor to my law, but rejected it. I want you to notice verse 16 with me tonight. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old path, wherein is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. I'm not trying to impress you about what, with what I'm about to say unto you. For I'm sure that there are hundreds and hundreds of people in this congregation tonight who have the same habit that I'm going to tell you about. Every morning in my home, before I ever leave my home, see the faces of people, deal with people, talk with people, listen to people, I take the Word of God and read it until God speaks to my heart. I was sitting in my home a few mornings ago, reading this scripture, 
And I believe God laid this scripture upon my heart. I've never preached from it before. In fact, I have not had the time, really, to study it like I'd like to. But I believe that God is speaking to my heart, and I trust He will to yours tonight out of this part of the Word of God. God says, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old path, where is the good way, and walk therein. You know, the Bible gives us this wonderful statement, I think, for a reason. Uh, a number of years ago, about 25 years ago, the people in public education began to see that there were things wrong in the public education system of America. They began to discover that there are a lot of people being graduated from high school that could not read. There were people being graduated and given a high school diploma who could not count. I've met them by the hundreds. They're not able to make change in the places where they work. People who cannot read and people who cannot count. Uh, people in education discovered that uh, we've turned out hundreds and thousands of people out of the high schools of America who are not capable of any sort of systematic thinking or decision-making. Turning out people who have no control whatsoever over their lives, their bodies, and their minds. And even the people in public education begin to think, well, there's something wrong. There's somewhere there's a failure. And somewhere there's something we're missing. And about 25 years ago, people in public education began to write on the subject, the general subject, back to basics. They said, we've departed from some things that worked. And we've accepted some methods that do not work. And there were literally hundreds of articles written in scholarly journals by people in education on the subject back to basics because they realized that there's failure in the public education system. I think uh, there's an application tonight from this wonderful verse of Scripture. I think God is calling us here to get back in spiritual matters and in the work of the Lord and in the building of churches and in the sending of the gospel around the world. God is calling us to get back to basics. You know, when I was here a number of years ago, uh, Dr. Bob Jones III was announced as the new president of Bob Jones University. I was on the board of trustees at the time and sitting in the meeting. And Dr. Bob Jones III Said, made a statement in that meeting I've never forgotten. He said, my work will not be one of innovation, but it'll be one of continuation. And he said that because he knew that this institution was on the right track and doing right things and staying true to the Word of God. He thought nothing new. He said, I'll not be innovative. But I'll be continuous in the good things that are being done in this place. You know, sad to say tonight, there are many people in, in this nation tonight who think they've discovered something new, better than the Bible, and better than God's way. But you know, I agree with the preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes when he said there's nothing new under the sun. I don't know whether you'll agree with it tonight, with me tonight or not, but I was thinking for nearly 52 years I've been reading this Bible and trying to walk with the Lord and preach the Word of God. And in 52 years I've discovered nothing new except what I've learned from the Bible. You see, things of God do not change. Salvation hasn't changed. It's still by faith through grace and that of God has never changed. There's nothing new about the old story of salvation in the Bible. You take this blessed book, the Holy Bible, has not changed, not one bit. And thank God it never will. Being born again of incorruptible seed, even the Word of God that liveth and abideth forever, 
You see, this Bible is an unchangeable and it's an incorruptible book. Man tries to, but he can't because it's as pure as the character of God. It hasn't changed one bit in the world. Our responsibility is God, the Great Commission, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, winning people to Christ, has not changed. It still goes and go into all the world, to every creature and to every house. There's been no change. Our Lord Jesus Christ has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank God the Bible says. You know, the Holy Spirit has not changed. He is the comforter sent of God to our hearts, of whom God said, he, he will be in you forever. And there's been no change. And I want to say to you tonight, I believe there are people in America, in Christian circles, who are looking for something new and have departed from something that is old. And God said, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths and walk therein, for therein shall you find rest of your soul. I believe we need to get back to some things. Uh, what I'm saying to you may sound very elementary to you tonight, but I believe in what we call even fundamentalism. And that's what I am. And that's the name I like. And that's the name I'm proud of. And I don't want any new names, for I'm proud of that one. But I believe tonight, even in fundamentalism, there are those who have departed from the old paths and have set out in paths God's Word does not substantiate. You know, when I read the Bible, I like to get a picture of what, what, what God's saying. I like not only to get the Word picture, truth of God, what the Lord is saying to my heart, but when I read the Bible, I'm always thrilled with God will just make a photograph, so to speak, of what He's saying on my heart and on my soul. For instance, when I read in the Bible of some of the great works of the Lord Jesus and people He saved, I like to see it. I like to see it live. And I, when I read of Jesus saving the man and healing the man at the pool of Bethesda, I like to see it. I like to just feel I'm right there. And I like for it to live in my heart. That's what I'd like to happen to our hearts tonight from this text. I'd like for us to see a picture that I believe God has set forth in His blessed Word. He said, Stand ye in the ways and see. Now I think there's a picture here God is trying to show us. I've seen this picture. In the European cities, many of them, you find in parts of the city, maybe the center of the city, you'll find a great circle, a great area in the form of a circle. And off of that circle, there runs streets in every direction. I think that's the picture God wants us to see tonight. Stand ye in the way, see these streets that run in every direction. Stand ye in the ways and see, but ask for the old path and walk therein. And I want to say to you tonight, I believe that we are like these people that God was talking to. Who had departed, they were in captivity. They were backslidden. They were in shame. And I believe in the last 25 years, some terrible things have happened in America. You know, uh, we are acquainted with some great churches where people say the Word of God is honored, the Holy Spirit is at work, and great things are going on. But I will tell you that's not true across the board in this country. Churches are dying up. I ask you tonight, what about the churches that used to be where all the time someone was being called to preach and called to the mission field? Not many are being called anymore. That's not God's fault. It's the environment in the churches in America. It's not an environment conducive to God calling people. And not many people are going into the work of the Lord 
as they were, say, even 25 years ago. You know, preachers are quitting the ministry. The attrition rate of preachers, they say, is absolutely staggering. I do not know whether it's preachers quitting the ministry or preachers getting out of the ministry who were never called in the first place. But I know that there's a, a terrible problem even in the ministry in America. We have a great talent before us. And God says, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old path. We don't need anything new. God said, stand, that means pause. Think about it. He said, see, that means investigate. He said, ask, that means to inquire. Ask for the old path. And I say to you tonight, what we need in America is to get back to the basics and back to the things we know the Word of God plainly teaches. You know, I see folks today who are going off after, purely after emotionalism. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not one of these folks who do not believe in feeling. I do not use it as a proof of my salvation. I know I'm saved because the Bible says I'm saved. And I want to tell you tonight, I'm enjoying my Christian life. And I love to be a Christian. I was riding with a fellow some time ago, and he was waving, he was driving the car. I mean, up this way. He looked at me and he said, Dr. Malone, have you ever waved at Jesus? I said, no, I never have. He said, why don't you try it? I said, well, I believe I will. And I started waving at Jesus, and I enjoyed it. Got lots of attention. Hundreds of people thought we were both waving at them. I do believe that a Christian, you know, we sit around and we criticize the people that smile and the charismatic and the people that seem to be enjoying it, and we're not giving the world a picture of a happy Christian. But I believe many folks tonight are going down that way out of this concentric circle. They're going down that way of pure emotionalism. They are like Eliphaz, one of the so-called friends of Jesus, who based what he said to Job, uh, called friends of Job, who based what he said to Job on a great experience he told about. He said when his hair stood up. And he used that experience as a basis of his testimony and his ministry to Job. I want to say to you tonight, the road of unfounded emotionalism is not the road God is talking about when he said, Seek ye the old path. Well, I believe in emotionalism and feeling. But I think of the disciples Jesus sent out in the 10th chapter of the book of Luke. He appointed 70, sent them out in 35 pairs. They went out and came back reporting great success. And they were filled with joy when they came back. And they reported to Jesus, why even the demons are subject unto us. Jesus said, I be speaking of demons. I beheld when Satan, uh, as lightning, fell from heaven. And he said, I've given you power over serpents and scorpions. And he said, nothing shall harm you. Nevertheless, rejoice not in what you've seen. But rejoice in that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's a gospel being preached today that you'll always be happy. No adversity. And if you send the money to the right place, you'll become a millionaire. And you'll never get sick. And you'll never need a physician if you have enough faith. That's not the gospel. That is emotionalism without foundation upon the Word of God. I don't want to go down that road. Some people say, well, I'm living on cloud nine. I know something better than a cloud. I'd rather live on the rock. The rock, Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you, emotionalism alone, when you come to the dark valley and the hot fire and the deep waters, I want to tell you, it won't suffice you in the time of adversity. That won't, but God will. I don't want to go down that road. I see people 
in America tonight going down what the preacher referred to tonight as the materialistic road. Stand ye in the ways and see. They have people have options. People are going down the materialistic road. For instance, I meet preachers that say uh, everywhere I go, I have preachers say to me, how big is your budget? How many buildings do you have? And how many do you run and come to school? What happened to asking, is the Lord blessing? And are people being saved? And are the, is the hand of God upon your ministry and upon your church? What happened to that? God is not near as interested in budgets and buildings and bigness. And hear me, I'm no enemy to bigness. I want to see every person I can saved and one to the Lord. For years in the palmy days of Emmanuel Baptist Church, we baptized 1,400 people or more a year, year after year. I'm no enemy to bigness, but I'm saying to you, I don't want to go down the materialistic road. You remember Paul said, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal. That is, they're bracketed by time. They won't stand and they won't last. But the things which are unseen, he said, are eternal. And I believe tonight in fundamentalism there has become a materialistic spirit with the emphasis on budgets and buildings and business. And God knows all these things are necessary, but that's not the way God's talking about. Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old path. I think of another road that runs off of that circle, and I believe a lot of people have fallen for it. And I call it the, the road of intellectualism. A lot of people think it's more important to be a scholar than it is to be a soul winner. You know, the Bible says, man by wisdom knew not God. No one ever went to heaven head first. People go to heaven heart first. And I've always noticed that real scholars preach simple sermons so people can understand it. And they preach it to the heart and not to the head. I don't want to go that road. I'm remembered that Jesus said to the would-be disciples, foxes of the fields have their holes, birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. What happened to just following Jesus and suffering to him if need be and being true to him no matter what comes in our life? I don't want to go down that road. Some folks have gone down that road and with a feigned scholarship have gone off into Calvinism and they try to make us believe that we don't have to do anything. If God wants to save somebody, he'll save them and he doesn't need us. And I don't find that in the Bible. No, I don't want to go the way of intellectualism. I see people tonight, in the 52 years I've been in the ministry, I've seen people go the way of what I call ecumenicism. That is the spirit of get-together. Join everybody. Join anyone. I don't believe that's the way God is talking about when he said, ask for the old path. I was reading a verse the other day in the Bible, and I may preach on it in the morning. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, God said, Follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, I believe we ought to follow peace as much as we can. But I'd rather have holiness without peace with men than to have peace with men and not holiness with God. And there's a many a person tonight in this uh, country of ours who claims to be a fundamentalist who's gone the road of ecumenicism and join anyone in any cause. And that's not the way God's talking about. God said, ask for the old times. Now I want to look at a few of those old paths tonight. 
I believe we need to get back to believing and practicing the Bible. Oh, you say, preacher, everybody here believes the Bible and believes that it's God's book. Well, I want to tell you, there are a lot of folks fooling around about this thing, about the Bible. You know, God said my word is settled in heaven. And it ought to be settled in our hearts that this is an impeccable book. If this is not an impeccable book, then we have no impeccable message because the only source of our message is from the book of God. I was out in the West a few years ago preaching and they introduced, just before I preached, a very young man, preacher. I was sitting on the front row. He got up and he said something no preacher ever ought to say or think. He said, I don't feel uh, very good about preaching with uh, Brother Malone sitting here on the front row. I prayed for him. I thought, nobody's face ought to make any difference when he's preaching the Bible. He got up and he said, I'm going to preach on 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He said, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. And he said, for doctrine, that's what is right. And he said, for reproof, he said, that's the deal with what's not is right. And he said, for correction, that's how to make it right. And he said, for instruction, that's to keep it right. And I said, oh, my Lord, I wish I'd thought of that myself. Oh, let me tell you, I believe tonight that I have before my face and in my heart, I believe I have a Bible that is a perfect book of God. I believe in the value of studying the ancient languages. In fact, I suppose... I don't want to brag about this, but I would think maybe I've had more Greek than anybody in this room. When I finished Bob Jones' college years ago, it took about 120-something hours, I think, to graduate, and everything I took was Greek to me. I don't know if anybody in the world had any more Greek than I have. But I don't believe in saying the Bible says one thing but means another. Old Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, we may not always agree on what the Bible says, but we will agree on the fact that the Bible, whatever it says, is true. And I believe that tonight. And I wouldn't for anything in the world try to explain this book away. You know, these folks that associate with charismatic people, I wonder if they've ever thought about the fact that these people claim to get a message from God spoken in the so-called unknown tongue and believe it to be a revelation just as true as the Word of God. That isn't so. There is no such thing as progressive revelation. This is it tonight. This book is all there is and there's never going to be anymore. Well, I believe tonight we need to get back to preaching and practicing this wonderful Word of God. I know a man that sat in a in a Bible college for years, for two or three years. He heard people say to him, now the Bible says one thing, but this is really what it means. One day he stood up in the class and he said, I thought we had the Word of God. And he said, you're telling me that it reads one way, but it means something else. He said, if that be true, I don't need this, you know, this, this Bible college. I don't need this Bible class. If the Bible doesn't mean what it says, I don't need this. And to this day, that man never darkens the door of the house of God because he was led to believe this Bible is not an impeccable book. Old Dr. Bob Jones used to say the day would come when people would be in disagreement about the Bible. He said, some will say it contains the Word of God. 
But he said, the fact is, it is the Word of God. And that's what I believe tonight. And I believe we need to get back to the Bible, believing it and practicing the Bible. I believe that people have departed from something else the Bible emphasized. And I don't know whether you agree with me tonight uh, about this or not. I'm not going to lose any sleep on it. In fact, to put it plainly, I couldn't care less, really. But you know, a lot of folks have departed from what we call the local church emphasis. And they're talking about the body of Christ with their arms outstretched to everybody who claims Christianity, no matter what they believe or what they practice. And they're speaking of that as the body of Christ and talking about loving the body of Christ. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. I would like to remind you tonight that 12 or 14 fallen letters are written either to local churches or pastors. I would like to remind you tonight that all seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation are, are local churches with a pastor to whom the message was addressed. And I believe tonight only the local church can observe the ordinances. And I believe it through the local church God has given, and the individuals, of course, the great commission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're getting away from this country. People are talking about the mystical church. And I know that uh, there is such a thing as the mystical church. There are people who died and gone to heaven who were in the, in the Lord and in the body of Christ. I never saw them. It's invisible. They're invisible to me. There are people, if the Lord cares, who will be saved after you and I are gone, if the Lord cares. And we'll never see them. But I want to say to you tonight, God's Word is on a church you can see and you can fellowship with and you can do the things God wants done in the observance of the ordinances and the carrying out of the Great Commission to the end of the earth. Some of you folks, I think, like I am, I'm getting sick of hearing about TTL. I think I'm going to start another, another movement called OTL. Obey the law. And I, I don't agree with people that talk of the work of God as being in, involving a body of Christ you can't see. I know they're saved people that are not in your church and not in mine. But I'll tell you, God puts his emphasis on the local church. I'm glad that this, this institution here is interested in the planting of local churches. And I believe the greatest need in America tonight is for people to go to these cities where there is no gospel-preaching church. Like one of our young men was telling me recently, lives in a valley, and in that valley, 250,000 people he said, our church is the only church in all this valley that gives an invitation both morning and evening. What we need is to plant churches, these local churches, that the Bible puts the emphasis upon. And God doesn't put it where some men are trying to put it. I don't want to go down that road. I believe we need to get back to God's emphasis upon the local church. You've heard a lot in these, in these services about soul winning, but you haven't heard too much. Because you cannot hear too much about winning people to Christ. Great Commission says, go out and win people and disciple them and baptize them and teach them. And I believe that's our responsibility before God tonight, is to win people to Jesus Christ. What's happened to people getting saved and being disciples? You know, many people... I thank God when people are saved and baptized. But I'm seeing uh, hundreds of people saved in churches and being baptized, and the attendance of that church stay the same year after year. That means that something is happening to those converts who were baptized, but they weren't disciples. What's happening to people that used to take a new Christian out to dinner or have them to their homes to spend the night. Jesus said, Disciple all nations. And I believe tonight we ought to spend as much time 
with a person when we get them saved as we sit in getting them saved. Then you'll know where they are. And my grandmother raised me. They were two of the most wonderful people I've ever known. My grandfather was not saved until after I was saved. Back the day I was saved, I ran about a mile and a quarter from the little country church to tell my grandfather I was saved today. My grandfather was a country man, wore a big wide brim, black hat. He's sitting in a rocking chair on a big elm tree. And I went, went and knelt by his locker. And I said to him, Grandfather, I was saved today. And I said, not only saved today, but I believe the Lord called me to preach. My grandfather said he was not saved. He said, Tom, I was hoping someday you might be able to go to school, might become a lawyer, a doctor, or something like that. But he said, I never thought about you being a preacher. I said, that's the only thing I ever do, because as sure as I'm here, God has called me to preach. And I live to see today when I was just a young preacher, where I was preaching in school building, people were being saved. And I remember one night seeing my sweet grandparents who lived together 72 years. I remember seeing them stand. My sweet old grandmother slipped her arm through my grandfather's arm. They walked down the aisle, and they were saved. And uh, I never heard my grandfather mention something he told me. He never mentioned it one time till after the same. He said, Tom, years ago, when you were just a little boy, and they were building the highway over here, he said, I was employed to build up that highway, to build up the, the fill on that highway. He said, I was living in a little shack beside the highway. Had the mules, the horses, and the, and the old-fashioned the instruments to move dirt. And he said, I was staying there at night in a little shack and sleeping on a pallet on the floor. My grandfather, who was saved when he told me this, he said one night someone knocked at the door. He said, I went to the door, and he said there stood a man by the name of William Charnockle. And William Charnockle said to my grandfather, whose name also was Will, said, Will, can I come in? He said, sure. He said, have you had supper? He said, no. He said, I just have some cold beans and, and uh, cornbread and and had it left, and he said, I can't offer you much. You'd like to have supper. Eat supper. William Charnockle stayed and ate with my grandfather, and then William Charnockle said to my grandfather, he said, Well, it's getting late. He said, Could I spend the night with you? My grandfather said, Well, I sleep on the floor, and just sleep on the pallet if you want to sleep that way. Of course, it's all right with me. William Charnockle said to my grandfather, I'd like I'd like to do that. And that night they were laying there, and my grandfather said, in the darkness of that little old shack to the side of the highway being built, he said, William Charnock will begin to speak that night. And he said, well, he said, you know, I'm a Christian. I've been saved, and I know I'm going to heaven. He said, you and I have been friends for a long time. And he said, the reason I came tonight was not just to eat supper with you and not just to spend the night with you. I came because I want to see you saved. Years came and went, came and went. And then one day, thank God, my grandfather was saved. And he told me the story. He said, Tom, a man came and slept on the floor and spent the night with me to get me saved. You know, you're hearing people today talk about lifestyle evangelism and making fun of what they call confrontational evangelism. I want to tell you, I don't want to go down that road. I believe we need to stick to what the Bible says. And that's buttonholing people and looking them in the face and talking to them about being saved and going to heaven. I believe in confrontational evangelism. I was thinking today of... Uh, in 1935, 36, 37, 38, when I was down at the uh, school, Bob Jones College in Cleveland, Tennessee, I met a young lady to whom I'd been married for over 48 years. Wonderful, sweet, godly, Christian woman. I met her on campus, and she was there because her mother up in Bluefield, West Virginia, saw how things were going in the public schools. And she said, uh, Joyce, I'm going to take you down to Bob Jones College. My wife said, well, if you, if you take me down there, I will tell you something right now. I'm not going to marry any preacher. 
He said, now, if you think you're taking me down as a married preacher, I'm not going to marry a preacher. One day, I met Joyce, and I fell in love with her. And one day, after a couple of years had gone by, I decided I want to ask her to marry me. And you know what I did? I couldn't hold hands, of course. I saw two people, by the way, walking, two young people last night, walking and holding hands. And I said, well, I know one thing. They're not Bob Jones, Connie Stevens, but they wouldn't be holding hands. But anyhow, I, we were sitting on a, on a bench out in front of the school. And I said to, to Joyce, you know, Joyce, I, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And I, I want to ask you if you'll marry me. She said, well, do you think you're able to get married? See, I was a poor country boy and uh, no money and going to school just eking it out day, one day at a time. I said, no, how much do you think a fellow ought to have before we get married? She said, well, say $1,000. I said, all right, we'll work on that. She said, well, then, it's a contract. We're going to get married. A few weeks went by, and she said to me, how are you coming on the $1,000 business? I said, well, I think I have about $24. She said, that's, that's close enough. We'll go ahead and get married. That's what I call confrontational evangelism. I think if I'd have said to George, now you watch me a while. Do you like my lifestyle? Then you can accept it. I don't think I'd have been married to that wonderful lady. I'm saying to you tonight, God wants personal contact in the winning and discipling of people in the ways of Jesus. I don't want to go down that path. As for the old path, God said. I believe we need to get back to the old path of preaching against sin. I'll tell you why I said that. Because recently, some well-known preachers said, I don't think people ought to call names of other people when they're preaching. And I got to thinking, Paul did. Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith hath done me much harm. He said his name is not only Alexander, but he said there's more than one Alexander. And I want you to know the one I'm talking about. He's the one that works at the copper mill. I believe we need an old-fashioned revival of preaching against sin. We've come to call it in this country disease and sickness. But the Bible calls it sin. Sin is war with against God. Sin is an outrage. Sin is rebellion against the Holy God. Sin is a power. Sin sends people to hell. We need to be preaching about sin. Oh, preachers, I, I pray, I'm afraid sometimes preachers are preaching to build an image. I want to say to you, people need to know that sin damns and kills and destroys and sends people to hell. Like what old Sam Jones used to say, said he's going to preach his tomcat sermon. They said, why do you call it that? He said, I'm going to scratch everything. Someone said to him, while you're preaching, rubs the fur the wrong way. You've heard it a hundred times. He said, turn the cat around. You know, there's a many a preacher tonight in this country that's afraid to preach against sin. As in the store of the Lord concert years ago, Dr. Rice, he said, there's a man here who wants to introduce a preacher who up in the state of Illinois. He said, I want this man to come and give a testimony. The man walked to the platform, face was bruised, the eyes were still partially blackened. And I thought, well, this man has been in an accident. But the man said, I've been preaching in my church with a burden on my heart to preach to people about sin and to specify names. He said, a man in that church came to me and said, Preacher, if you keep preaching against sin and preaching the way you're preaching, he said, I'm going to stop you. Preacher said, I... I don't have any choice in the matter. I'm going to preach what God says and preach what God gives me to preach. The man said, if you do, I'm going to hurt you. 
He said, I continued to preach as I had preached what I believed God wanted me to preach. said, one day that man met me in the middle of the town where, I, where my church is and on the sidewalk. He said to me, I told you I was going to stop you and I am. He said he began to beat me and to kick me and knock me to the sidewalk and bruised me and left me bleeding and hurt and broken. And he said, I've never been so embarrassed in all my life. He said, I went before my church and I told them that for preaching against sin, a man had beaten me up who attended this church. He said in about one month, the greatest revival broke out in his church he'd ever known in all his life. And scores of people were being saved. He stood up there and he said, Thank God for these black eyes and these bruises on my face because I got them for a good cause. And that is preaching against sin. God never meant for preachers to carry on a popularity contest. We need to get back to the old ways of calling sin, sin. And I'm glad the preacher said what he did tonight about this horrible judgment God brought upon America. You see, in the days of Lot in Sodom, men wanted men. And God said, I'll burn this city to the ground. And it's sin. We need a, a Bible of preaching against sin in our pulpit, pulpit until people will know what sin is. As for the old past, God said, I believe we've gotten away from the matter of separation. It's a word a lot of fundamentalists don't like anymore. I heard a, a great, read a, a great sermon by a preacher who is in a denomination where the schools do not believe the Bible and where there are people that are no more than infidels and he preached a great sermon, but he never mentioned one thing he ought to mention, and that is, come out. That's what God said. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. We need to get back to believing that God's people are a separated people. That's the old path. People have strayed away from it. We need to get back to it. You take the music of this country, there's no separation in it. I believe that people could take all this canned accompaniment, most of which is done down in Nashville, Tennessee, and much of it by unsaved people and burn it up. A lot of churches would be a lot better off. And I don't believe there's any such thing as a rock or contemporary music that's worth anything in the world. And where you have revival, you have people singing the good old gospel music and the truth of the Word of God. No separation. Personal ethics. What has happened to preachers being honest and Christians having personal ethics and standards? I have papers come to my desk for the dozens of most preachers do. And a lot of them, I determine what I'm, whether I'm going to read it, look at it or not, by the pictures they're on. If there's a picture there with people, women in blue jeans and men with hair down on their shoulders, I throw it in the wastebasket. And I say to myself, they ain't coming to my church. Now, I know to be grammatically correct, I should say, they are not coming to my church. But what I'm saying to you is, they ain't coming to my church. God says, come out. I heard Dr. Ironside preach. One of the greatest blessings in my life, and I wish all of you could have heard some of the men I've heard. I'm going on 72 years of age, and I've had the privilege of hearing some of the great giants of the past. I heard Dr. Heron Ironside many times. I heard him tell one time when he was a boy, he was with his friends out in the field and he caught a wild bird. They had a canary bird at home in the cage. He said the canary bird could sing beautifully and it could make the most beautiful music you could imagine the canary bird could. He took the wild bird home and he said to his mother, I want to put this wild bird in that cage with that canary and so that 
bird that can sing can teach this wild bird to sing. His mother said, Harry, that won't work. Said, that wild bird never will sing like that canary thing. He persuaded his mother and he said, let me try it. He gave in to him and he put the wild bird in the cage of the snare bird. And he said after about two weeks, that canary bird that gave such sweet music was making horrible sounds like that wild bird. And I will tell you, that's what happens to a Christian that runs with the wrong crowd. You know, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. That means yoke up with the Lord. And I believe a Christian ought to be careful about whose head he lets get in the yoke with him. A lot of people in this country are following famous TV evangelists that's leading hundreds and thousands of people the wrong way. I want to tell you the Bible still teaches separation. Ask for the old path and walk therein. Therein find rest for your soul. Let's pray for a moment. Our Father in heaven, we pray tonight that thou wilt use thy word to our hearts. Lord, we never want to depart from what we've seen work and what we know to be the word of God and the truth of God. Bless it to our hearts tonight. Lord, we pray that in this conference there will be convictions of character come to our hearts and lives about walking in the old path instead of new paths men are walking in today. Oh God, help us to walk in the old paths that laid down in the Word of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.